There is no normal right now. We're uh, starting a new series of sermons right now about trusting God when there is no normal. Look at our world and the way it's been impacted by the coronavirus and so many routines of daily life are just not normal. Not normal for us to have a worship service where only a handful of people are in the room. It's not normal to try to be a church when we can't spend time with each other. It's not normal to gather and still be unable to shake one another's hands, to give each other hugs and high fives and embraces. It's not normal. You look at our nation experiencing the consequences of racial injustice. Everything is turned inside out and upside down. Nothing feels normal. I was part of a webinar this week. One of the panelists was a man named Alexander Jun. He's the former moderator of the General Assembly of our denomination from 2018, a Korean-American man. And Alex said as part of that conversation that some of us right now are waking up to the realities of racism but others live this nightmare every day. Whatever your experience, whether you're waking up or living the nightmare, nothing is normal in our nation right now. And then in our church, our church family was shaken one more time on Friday as we got the news about the death of Chuck Fell. Nothing's normal. How does God speak to us in times like these? What's it like to trust him when everything has been shaken? That's what we want to learn together in the coming weeks. We'll start now. A hearing from Psalm 121. Let me take a moment and pray for us, and then we'll hear the scripture read by Caleb Voss. Let me pray. Father, we bring to you broken hearts, our world, our nation, our church, have been shaken in so many ways. And it feels like we can't take one more episode of bad news, and yet everything around us is shaken and turned upside down. Would you draw near to us today? Would you draw near and heal us? Would you speak to us through your words? Bring your Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we would hear from you certainty that you are with us even as the world around us causes us to ask so many questions and to weep so many tears. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's hear now Psalm 121. This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. 
He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. El he harim me ayin yabo ezri ezri me imadonai ose shamaim vares. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? This is a song of ascents. It's part of a series of psalms, 120 through 134, called Songs of Ascents. And if we had lived in the days of ancient Israel, those sounds that you just heard, that's what we would have been hearing several times a year as we made pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate feasts and festivals of worship with God's people. And these are songs. They would have been sung out loud. You would have heard notes somewhat like those. We don't know if that melody is like ancient Hebrew melodies, but those are the sounds we'd have been hearing as we stepped outside of our homes and left behind our villages and made our way toward Jerusalem we would see landscapes like this. These are uh, hills in in the uh, the land of Judea, the, the area around Jerusalem. So if we had been traveling from, say, further north in Israel, we might have crossed over the Jordan River and passed down the eastern side of the Jordan, especially if we wanted to avoid going through Samaria because everybody knows about the Samaritans. And then, as we lift our eyes and see hills like these, we make our way to Jerusalem. But from the moment that we left our home and left our village, nothing would be normal. We're on the road. We're not at home. We're in between. We're not yet at Jerusalem either. We lift our eyes to the hills and we wonder, on the road, where will our help come from? We arrive at Jerusalem, there's safety there, there's protection, there's celebration. We're surrounded by friends, by family. We're surrounded by God's people worshiping, surrounded by the walls of the city. There is protection there. But then when the feast is over, we leave again and we start singing our songs again. And until the moment we return home, nothing is normal. Songs of ascents, these psalms were written for life on the road, life as a journey, the in-between time when you are not at home and you're not yet where you want to be. 
So today, I want us to use this song, Psalm 121, to address three questions that are raised when we're on the road and experiencing the in-between times when nothing is normal. Who will keep us? And what does God say in response to that question? And how do we know that we can trust what he says? We'll start with that first question, who will keep us? That's the question the psalm raises, isn't it? We read the very first verse. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where will my help come from? Why would, why would someone traveling to Jerusalem for a feast, a pilgrimage in ancient Israel, why would they be asking that question? Well, because of the many dangers that would be present on a journey like this. You hear it summarized in verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Here, the sun and moon are used as symbols of all the dangers of day and night. What would the dangers of day be if you were traveling on this pilgrimage between home and your final destination? Dangers like fatigue. That's a long way to walk to get to Jerusalem. For some pilgrims, it would have been a several-hour journey. For others, several days on the road. The danger of hunger. Did we bring enough food? Will we go through it too quickly? Will some of it spoil on the way? Will it be lost? The danger of thirst. This is a land where water is not abundant and plentiful. The danger of heat. The danger of injury. Read verse 3 again. He will not let your foot be moved. The foot that slips. Think about traveling on a journey in a rocky land where you're climbing over hills and mountains and suddenly you understand that the slipping of a foot is a really big deal. The danger of injury and accident. Those are the dangers of the day. And then there are the dangers of the night. We may not think of it because we tend to think of the land of Israel as kind of this warm, uh, tropical place maybe. Uh, there's lots of sunshine and heat, right? Yeah, but at night it gets really cold. One of the dangers of night is cold. Another is attack, assault, theft. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Who hides in the hills? who hides in the narrow mountain passes, like the one that leads from Jerusalem to Jericho, for example. Well, you know the story Jesus told about that, a man who was beaten by robbers and left for dead. We're surrounded by dangers as we're on this journey, whether it's a literal journey from our home to Jerusalem in ancient Israel or the journey that we face every day as the world is turned upside down and inside out in so many ways. We cry out, where will our help come from? Because we're surrounded by danger. And every time we lift our eyes to the hills, we're reminded of the dangers around us. And what we desire instead of danger is help. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
We have to think about this word help in the right way. I'm going to back up. We're not ready for that picture just yet. I'm going to think about this word help. For some of us, the English word help implies something like, you know, I need to get the grass cut and uh, I could do it a lot faster if somebody would help me. I got it. I've got it under control. I I can do this myself. No problem. But if somebody would help, yeah, that'd be nice. Help is kind of a luxury if we think about it that way. That is not what this word means. In the Old Testament, this word help almost always occurs in the context of of military discussions and conversations. So help comes from an ally who promises that when your enemies attack, I will show up on the battlefield beside you because if I don't, you will be completely vulnerable. You will be at risk of utter defeat unless I am there. And so in this world filled with dangers, we're lifting up our eyes and we're saying, we need that kind of help. We need the Lord to be that kind of help to us. We don't need him to make things a little bit easier because we mostly got it. We are completely vulnerable. And just run through that list again if you don't believe it. Coronavirus. We are completely vulnerable. The consequences in our nation of racial injustice. We live and walk alongside people every day who feel completely vulnerable because of those realities. I have not felt that kind of vulnerability. I'm trying to learn. And days like last Friday, when we hear that we have lost someone we love so deeply. We need the Lord to be our help. We're surrounded by danger. Our desire is that someone would come to stand between us and the danger. Who will that be? Who will keep us? What does God say in response to that question? Remember that God is speaking to us through the words of the psalmist, the person who wrote this poem, this song to be sung on the journey. God wants to speak to us through those words and say to us, when we are asking that question, where will our help help come from? That the answer is, you can trust me, your creator. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. There is no place you can go on this globe that he won't hear your cry. He made it all. There is no place you can be that his arm can't reach. You can trust me. I made you. I made everything And God says to us, your creator will be your keeper. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel won't slumber or sleep. Do you hear the balance there? 
I'm keeping the whole of my people. I am keeping all of Israel. I'm keeping all of my church. I'm keeping all of my people who trust in me. And I'm keeping you. I won't lose you as I keep track of all these people. I won't lose sight of you. I am keeping you as part of all who trust me. And as I keep all who trust me, I will keep my people. I will keep you. I won't slumber. I won't sleep. I won't fuzz out on you. I won't tune out. I won't lose track of things for a few minutes. The Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in now and forevermore, verse 8 says. God is shouting to us six times in six verses, I will be your keeper. I won't sleep. Verses 5 and 6 use another metaphor. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Shade. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, when we read about shade, it, it's, it's the image of a mother bird extending her wing and letting her chicks hide underneath the shadow, the shade of her wing. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. Or, or sometimes it's the image of God being the father to Israel, stretching out his hand so that his people will be under the shade of his hand. Think about the way your mother or your grandmother or your your aunt used to reach out when they had to slam on the brakes and not all cars had seat belts, right? That right hand comes out and grabs you so that you won't knock your nose on the dashboard. The Lord is our keeper. Not far from where Tricia and I lived in Scotland, a town called Aberdeen, out in the countryside was this castle. It's called Drum Castle. And uh, I wish I could say I'm good enough with cameras to have taken this particular photo. And I won't lie to you. This is Drum Castle. And you can see that it's this kind of sprawling complex And there's a courtyard that stretches around and forms a square. But if you'll notice off to the the left of the image, you'll see what's called the keep. It's this massive square tower. It's the strongest part of the whole structure. The walls of that keep, that square tower, are 10 feet thick and they're made of solid stone. If you look closely enough at that image, you'd see that there are only very few windows and they're very tiny and high up. This is the safest place to be. Many castles were built with a keep. The keep, well, the keep was the strongest refuge. It was the first place you would run to, the safe place to go anytime danger draws near. That's the keep. And God says to us over and over and over again in this psalm, 
That is who I am. I am the one who keeps you. When danger draws near, I'm the safe place. That's what God says when we ask who will keep us. How do we know? How do we know we can trust him to mean what he says? It's a fair question because we look at our world and we say, maybe this psalm promises too much. I mean, if God was keeping us from all evil, would there be a coronavirus? It would be a fair question right now for African Americans in this country to ask, is God really keeping my people from all evil? We could say, well, this is a promise for the people of God. Oh, there are a whole lot of African American Christians who would be asking that question right now. Is this psalm promising more than God's actually delivering? When we lose a loved one, a friend, to death, it's right to ask the question, how do we know? God means what he says. Here's the answer I offer you today. We know that God will keep his promise to keep us because he is the keeper who draws near and absorbs the blows. When he uses the language of help in this psalm, my help comes from the Lord. That's battlefield language. I will come and stand on the battlefield beside you and fight with you. And I will absorb the blows along with you. The image of shade, that mother bird, who stretches out her wing over her chicks, or the God who stretches out his right hand so that his people hide in the shadow of his hand. Do you hear the promise? I will put myself between my beloved and danger. I will not sit back safely and let danger fall on you while I have this easy life somewhere else. I will put myself right there so that anybody who wants to get to my little chicks has to come through me. I will be your keeper. If anyone wants a blow to fall on you, it will first strike me. The spears and arrows of the enemy hit the walls of the keep before they penetrate and hit anyone inside the castle. Our God is the God who draws near and shields us, absorbing the blows himself. I take a minute and say, I, I think that's what we're being called to at this moment in the history of our nation, especially those of us who are part of a majority culture in the United States. Many of our friends and neighbors have been absorbing the blows of mistreatment and injustice simply because of their race and ethnicity, and it has gone on for a long time. 
And part of our calling as the people of God is to stand up and say, we will be with you. We will draw near. We will stand beside you on the field of battle. One day we want this danger to pass so that you don't have to be afraid of it anymore. But until then, we will put ourselves between you and danger so that some of these blows you've been absorbing will fall on us. And that should be an instinctive posture for Christians because it's what our God has done for us. How do we know it? How do we know it? Because this journey, this song was one you would sing while you're on the way to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the city where our God drew near to absorb the blows. Jesus stood in a place like this and he lifted up his eyes while he was on the long road to Jerusalem and he sang this song with other people making the pilgrimage with him and he lifted up his eyes and said, where will my help come from? Jesus himself faced the dangers of day and night while he was on the road to get from where he lived in Galilee to where he was going in Jerusalem was a several day journey. He was vulnerable to attack and injury and death and he stood in this world with us saying, my help comes from the Lord. And at the cross, Jesus put himself between us and danger in order to keep us from all evil now and forevermore. Jesus drew near and our God absorbed the blows so that one day we will fully experience everything that this psalm promises. He will keep us from all evil. He will keep us from this time forth and forevermore. The resurrection of Jesus shouts to us today that one day we will be kept perfectly from all evil. We will be kept permanently forevermore. But the crucifixion of Jesus shouts to you and to me today that he is near to us right now. He hears our cries. He knows the dangers. He shields us from many blows. But even those that land on us, he has experienced them himself. He is not a God who stays distant and safe while we hurt. He sings the song with us as he walks the road to the cross. How do I know that God means it when he says he will be my keeper and yours and the keeper of all who put their trust in him? The only way I know that I can trust that promise is through the life of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's put our trust in Him and trust Him to do for us what He promises, to keep us from this time forth and forever.
more.